I'm super delighted that you're able to join us for this series. As I've said earlier, I think it's the most relevant series that I could be teaching on. I think God's going to do some pretty remarkable things. Uh, so let's pray, God. You know, this is all about what you want to do in the lives of people who are listening right now. You've orchestrated uh, uh, their watching. So pour your spirit out. Work supernaturally. And of course, help us to discover and to choose joy as we move forward. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right, so that's the series for this uh, lead into Easter, Choose Joy. You know, the other day I was listening to National Public Radio and they had a couple of guests there and they started to wrestle with this question that uh, I'm going to raise right here. Uh, they were looking at the context of the pandemic, how it's impacting the world, impacting the world, and, and tons of people in a variety of different ways. Hardly anyone, no one has escaped it, right? And so they started to wrestle with this question uh, right there. Here's a question. During times of stress and great suffering, is experiencing joy impossible, naive, or even callous. Now, by this notion of callous, what they mean is if, if, if somehow you are experiencing joy right now, is that something that you should feel guilty about, for example, considering that maybe, you know, that over half a million people have died of, uh, of uh, COVID-19 and so many people are unemployed and so much injustice is going on. So if somehow you're experiencing joy, should you be feeling guilty about it? Now, here's the deal. I need you to really stay. We're not going to, we're, we're going to work through this question. This is the question that they're asking and people are asking in so many different ways. And we're going to work this through over the course of the next four weeks. So don't just focus on one message. We're going to kick off this week by talking about joy. Does it actually exist for you? And then next week we're going to talk about finding joy and then unlocking joy and then experiencing joy and then on Easter Sunday morning God has a really special insight for all of us that's going to tie all this whole thing together so I, I'm hoping you can commit that you're going to walk with us over the course of the next four weeks even if you miss it seeing us on Sunday make sure you catch us during the course of the week because this is available on our website. All right, so let's look at the text that we're going to focus on. It's really our theme text we're going to work through over the course of the next four weeks. It's the right of Hebrews in chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Here's what he says. Therefore, guys, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything, shout everything, everything that easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning his shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him, think about him, who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. We've just crossed the one-year mark of this pandemic. If there ever was a time we need to know the secret to not growing weary and losing heart, losing heart is simply another word for quitting, it's now. So the basic question is, does joy exist for you? And if so, how do you start to access it? And I want you to know that after the NPR discussion had finished, and if you look up what psychiatrists are saying uh, as they wrestle with this question, that, that, that that's almost a resounding yes. It exists, 
and it's accessible for you. All right, listen. The first thing I want to acknowledge is that we all fall on a continuum when it comes to this notion of joy. And, uh, and, and in terms of our personalities. Some of us are optimistic people, meaning we're glass half full. We're generally uh, excited about life. Some of us are pessimistic. This means that we're glass half empty people. We're generally skeptical about people and about life. And when bad things happen, it just reinforces our skepticism. And then at the furthest extremes on both sides are all the things that kick in when we're struggling with our mental health. Uh, for example, clinical depression that is generated by chemicals uh, uh, misfiring in our brain that gets us locked. It feels emotional, but it's really physiological. Or what they call manic on the, on the furthest other extreme. This person who's full of euphoria almost 24-7. It's hard for them to sleep. They're super creative. They are, are, are just you know, running 100 miles an hour until finally they collapse. Uh, that too is the misfiring of chemicals in the brain. Now, I, I raise these, this range, and, and then, and then we're, all of us are somewhere in between, right? So I, I just want to talk about these ranges. Because in the midst of this pandemic, all of those ranges have been broken and busted. And, uh, and, and people are all struggling and suffering in different ways. But I just want to say a word about mental health. One of the ways that God helps us to reconnect with a sense of joy and well-being as we struggle with very real mental health challenges is through psychiatrists and psychologists. They are part of God's healing teams, team, just like primary care doctors, just like uh, cardiologists. Your, your brain is a physiological part of your body. And so if you find yourself struggling with mental health, number one, remove the stigma. Don't be ashamed about that. Uh, there's nothing more, any different about that than, than, than dealing with our heart and lungs. Number two, allow the people that God has raised up and equipped, therapists and psychiatrists and medical doctors and others to come alongside you. Don't you dare try to do it alone. But inside of all of this, there is this basic question, especially in the midst of this pandemic. Does joy exist, right? So many people have died. We all have been affected. So many people are unemployed. Throw in all of the natural disasters that are happening. Throw in the disruption and the eruption around social justice. Throw in the chaos that's happening here in America as a result of all of the political madness that's taking place and this insecurity we feel about our own government. And yes, it is a relevant question. Does joy actually exist for me, for you in this season? And uh, if so, how do I access it? And the question, the answer to that question is a resounding yes. Now, the first thing you want to know is this. Joy exists for you. Yes. Secondly, you want to know this in terms of joy. Joy is greater than happiness. All right, let me show you this slide. There's a place where happiness and joy intersect. And I love this, this, this blending of colors. Right here we see that joy on various occasions includes happiness. Think of, for example, the birth of a baby. That is, a, that is an event of great joy that certainly includes happiness. 
But joy, there's a portion of joy that is greater than happiness. And so ultimately, when we're talking about joy, ultimately, check this out, we're talking about an attitude that defies circumstances where in general, when we're talking about happiness, we're talking about a feeling that's based on circumstances, that my external world has everything to do with whether I feel happy or not. Now, can somebody just simply say, joy is greater than happiness. Let me talk to you just a little bit about Kay Warren. Kay Warren is the wife of Pastor Rick Warren. He pastors one of the largest churches here in America, and almost overnight they became uh, huge Christian leaders, multi-millionaires. He wrote a book called Purpose Driven Life, etc., 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 talking about the extremes, right? And it's a big extreme of a lot of happiness and joy. And then they both had to live through their young adult son committing suicide just before Easter. Talking about the horrors of pain. So when she writes a book like this, I think she has some credibility. I want to hear what she has to say about joy, right? Because she has lived through all of these, these tough places. Here's, here's, so here's the book she writes. Choose joy because happiness is not enough. So I want to commend this book to you. I encourage you to get it. And, and uh, I'm thinking about this book in the background of this, this, this message, and so it's very helpful. Uh, here's her definition for joy. Uh, she says that if you really want to be able to choose it, you got to know what joy is. But here's how she defines joy. Having lived through some of the worst experiences that you can imagine. Crescendoing in the, her son taking his life. Here's what she writes. Joy is the settled assurance that God is in control of all the details of my life. The quiet confidence that ultimately, shout ultimately, type that in the chat. Ultimately, everything is going to be all right. It doesn't mean you're not going to get sick. Doesn't mean you won't shed tears. Doesn't mean there won't be death. But ultimately, even on the other side of the grave, everything's going to be all right. That's what she means by that. And the determined choice, I'm going to make up my mind, to praise God in all things. That's a definition of joy. If you take this definition, I've pulled these three elements, what I call the elements of joy, out of that definition. Here's the first one. <clears throat> a settled conviction about God, right? Here's my posture. That's what I mean by the word conviction about God, that he's ultimately in control. He sits on the throne. Secondly, a quiet confidence in God that ultimately... When it's all said and done, it's going to work out. God's going to make it work out. Thirdly, a determined choice to give God praise, even in the midst of painful seasons. These elements. Notice what's consistent about each of these points. God, God, God. From Kay's perspective, if God disappears from this definition, then ultimately joy itself disappears. The answer to the question, is there joy for me in this horrendous pandemic, uh, uh, unemployed, uh, 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 hospital-ridden situation? For many, the answer would be no, but somebody shout, 
but God. But God. Change the scenario. So the writer in Hebrews, this is where he picks up at, right? We're talking about joy. That's what we're talking about. And this is the writer in Hebrews. This is where he picks up. He says, look, you want to really talk about joy going through hard times? It really starts at a place of faith. And it starts with a faith that is connected in reality to a living God who has shown up in the one that we know as Jesus, who was theologically fully human and also fully God. That's where it starts, right? And, and, and this discovery of joy in the midst of pain and horror and suffering and pandemic starts with this notion, fixing our eyes on Jesus. This is what he says. So in other words, he says, the first step, find Jesus. Somebody shout, find Jesus. Type that into the chat. Find Jesus. Find Jesus. What do you mean? Just locate Jesus. You know, Isaiah chapter 53 talks about Jesus in a prophetic way, looking ahead, seeing him in the crucifying, crucifixion moment. And he says, he describes him as a man of sorrow who's acquainted with all of our griefs. But Kay Warren points out in her book that Jesus is not just a man of sorrow as he goes through the crucifixion. Surely he is bearing up our sins and our griefs. But as we encounter him through scriptures, he's also a man of joy, great joy. Matter of fact, the first miracle that we find Jesus working, the Gospel of John records it. And, and it's not Jesus healing a sick person. It's not him raising someone from the dead. It's not Jesus feeding uh, the hungry. And he does all of those things. It's not him casting out a demon. He does all those things, right, as we read about him in scripture. But the first miracle is we find Jesus at a wedding. And he does his first miracle at a wedding. You know, weddings are nothing but (laughs) places of great joy. Listen, the only people who are upset at weddings are the folks sitting back and saying, how did I let him get away? The only people upset at weddings are, 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 are like the OJs singing in the background, looking at the bride. She used to be my girl. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I want her back right away today. The old songs by the OJs, right? Can you somebody sell joy? We think of weddings, we think of joy. And this particular wedding was a, was a, a typical wedding. We've known, it had lots of wine flowing, guys, lots of wine. When you think of wine, you think of joy. And ultimately, the wine runs out. Mary, the mother of Jesus, comes and finds Jesus. Somebody shout, find Jesus. And she says, look, the wine has run out. They have a dialogue with Jesus. says, you know, I don't, I don't think the moment has come. And then she tells the attendants, you, you do whatever he says do. Listen, find Jesus when your joy runs out. Wait, check this out. Here's what the mother knew. Here's what Mary knew. If the wine has run out at the party, the joy has run out. Come on now. So, so, so here's the insight. When, when, when your joy runs out, here's what Hebrew writer would, would, would agree with. Find Jesus and, and do what he says do. And so... He ultimately told the attendants, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take some regular, everyday, mundane, common water. I want you to pour it in the barrels where the the wine was. 
And they did. And they took it and dipped it out and carried it to the, to the person. And the person said uh, to, to the host, most people put their best wine out f- uh, 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 at, 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 at first and the worst at the end of the ceremony. You save the best to last. And suddenly we have the miracle of Jesus turning water to wine. Okay, okay, okay. Do you see the point? When your joy runs out, find Jesus. Come on now. The, the text I sent out from Proverbs on Wednesday morning said essentially this. It, 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 said, it, said, it said, concentrate on getting understanding from God. It says, cry out aloud as you look for insight for God. Find Jesus and do what he says. And here's what happens when you activate the living relationship of Jesus in your life and you turn to him when your joy has run out. Come on. He'll begin to show you through the spirit. Come on. What God sees all around you all the time that you've been walking past because it's common, it's mundane, it's regular. And he'll show you the, the, the small joy that flows out of it. Come on now. It's, it's, it's those flowers that you pass walking out of your house every day, blooming in the beauty of the sunshine. If you let him activate in your heart, you'll begin to see, come on now, some, some joy in the mundane. It's the, it's the kids running around laughing and playing and yes, they're getting on your nerves and yet let him activate. You will see joy in the mundane. The, the cat purring on your lap. As the, as the older people used to say when they were praying, finding joy in the mundane, they would say in their prayers, they would say, Lord, I, I thank you that uh, that when I that when my my eyes came open this morning, uh, uh, you touched me with a finger of love, and my eyes came open. Come on, joy in the mundane. You said my 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 blood was still running warm in my veins. I was still clothed in my right mind. It's the joy in the mundane. Jesus helps you to see it, find him. Cry out to him. And he'll activate your ability to find a joy in the mundane. And so the writer of Hebrews says, first thing you want to do is find Jesus. And then the verse continues. Uh, Oh, one more thing. He says, find him, not just when he's at the party, but find him when he's on the cross. If If you want to learn from him if you want to learn how he resources you find him when he is in his most vulnerable find him in the greatest tragedy of his life find him when he is most traumatized in life stretched out naked brutalized an innocent man found guilty the victim of injustice come on in the worst form of capital punishment the world has ever known the Roman cross find him there Find him there on the cross. He's got something for you. And then it says, the pioneer and the perfecter of faith. In other words, when you find him, follow Jesus. And when I say follow Jesus, what I mean is learn from him. 
Let him teach you as you find him on the cross. Let him teach you uh, as you watch him on the cross. Let what you learn from him on the cross ground you as you go through your pandemic moment. Come follow him. First of all, he's the pioneer. That, that means he's out in front. That's the way we get this notion of follow him, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. That the faith that runs through Jesus ultimately ends up uh, in, in, in the throne room of God. And here's what the psalmist tells us about the throne room of God. It says, in his presence is the fullness of joy. And at his right hand are pleasures evermore. Come on now. Did you hear that? The fullness of joy. That means that, that everything outside of the throne room of God, come on, outside of the presence of God, the manifest presence of God, uh, while they are expressions of joy, they are but slices. They are but glimpses. Come on, your best joy-filled day is but a slice. It's just a glimpse of a greater joy that awaits in the full presence of God. Because he's got the fullness. So the faith that runs through Jesus takes you there. Listen, when I started to learn how to drive, my granduncle would allow me to drive him all over the region. As we go to these different churches and these country roads and we get lost over here and over there. And, and from time to time, we'd be find ourselves asking the basic question. You pull up, see somebody saying, how do I get to Manny? I thought I was Manny, Louisiana. How do I get there to a little small town? I, I thought I was on the right road. And, and inevitably the instructions would come like this. Well, you're not far, the guy would say. <laughs> say, go past the two farmhouses. Now, no GPS. Come on now. Uh, go past the two farmhouses. And when you get, get to the next intersection, take a right. And you just follow that road. It's going to wind. It's going to dip. It's going to curve. It's going to go through all kinds of... But you just stay on that road. And if you stay on that road, you will end up in Manning. And that's part of what the writer is saying. Come on now, about the faith that runs through Jesus, that he's the pioneer and the perfecter of, that if you, if you follow Jesus, come on now, uh, yes, life will take you through some dips. It'll take you through some hospital experiences. It'll take you through some grief experiences. It'll take you through some divorces. It'll take you through some, 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 some heartaches, come on, and, and some difficult and painful and excruciating moments, unemployment, come on, all of that but if you just follow him it will end up come on now in the presence of God where there is fullness of joy <laughs> you're gonna end up at joy come on now. And, 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 and I'm not just talking about when you ultimately get to heaven I'm talking about what you go experience in route stay with me stay with me so the text said the text says follow him all right it keeps going for the joy that's set before him, he endured the cross. All right, notice this. Somebody just say it with me. For the joy set before him. Now this notion here, the joy that's set before him. You got to come back here on Easter. I'm going um, to, there is, there is a hidden insight here that I'm holding on to, to Lisa. So you want to come back. But I want to talk to you about a, just an initial insight uh, as we wrap this message up for the, for the joy. Somebody shout for the joy. Type that in the chat. For the joy. The joy. What kind of, that was set before him. Read it again. He endured the cross because of the joy that was in front of him. Did you get it? <laughs> Here it is. Be informed and encouraged 
by Jesus as we watch him on the cross. Informed and encouraged. What does he mean? Here's what I mean. Back in my Boston days, I attended my first uh, ballet. It was the Nutcracker. I'd never been to a ballet before. Finally, we got in. We had great seats. And the ballet started. And it started in beautiful music, the silhouette of, of song and music and love all twirling all around in some of the most beautiful configurations. It was just fabulous. People look like they lit butterflies, men and women, <laughs> interchanging in an unfolding story. And suddenly, about an hour into it, the light changed to darkness and the, the, what seemed like love was transformed into friction. And then somebody stabs somebody and somebody falls to the ground. And the music ends and the curtain closes and the house lights come up. And I said to my wife, I said, baby, that was amazing, but the ending was tough. I said, well, anyway, <laughs> let's go. I got up to get my coat and other people were getting up around me. She said, where you going? I said, it's time to go home. She said, baby, it's intermission. See, she, she, the girl was cultured, y'all. I'm from the country. I hadn't been to a ballet. I didn't know. I thought we were at the end. Come on now. So she said, no, 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 no. Let's just go to the bathroom, get some stuff. Come on back here. You've got to see the final act. And I thank God that I didn't leave at intermission. I, got, I thank God I stayed to the final night because the darkness was replaced by the light. Come on now. And at the end, joy defined the whole experience. This is what Jesus understood when he was dying on the cross. The joy that was before him. In other words, he understood that when death was occurring, that that was simply intermission. But he knew what the final act was going to be. Come on now, because the text says after this, we'll see it in a minute, that, that on the other side of resurrection, he, he, he sat down on the right hand of the Father. He enters the throne room, takes his position as a part of what we call the triune God in that place of victory. He knew what the final act was going to be. My God. Some of y'all are thinking about walking out on your faith, but you're walking out on your faith at intermission. You, you see the injustice. You say, I'm going to walk out. There certainly can't be a God. Come on. You, you, you see the poverty. You see the unemployment. You see the sweeping of disease. And you say, I'm going to walk out. There certainly cannot. I can't trust a God like this. Don't leave at intermission. Hang around just a little while. Come on now. And, and as you hang around, envision the joy that awaits in the final scene. That's what, that's what Jesus teaches us. Good God Almighty. Do you know that some of your parents and your grandparents who are immigrants, who came here as immigrants, made it through the unbelievable difficulties of their journey because they were imagining they could see, come on now, that if they could get to America, they dreamt of the new life that their kids and their grandkids would live. 
uh, they were able to endure the hardship because of the joy that was set before them. Y'all, listen. Do you know that that's how African Americans survived 300 years of horrendous slavery, being torn apart from family, beaten and tortured and lynched, and another 100 years of segregation? Because when we read, come on, the scriptures and we saw God open the Red Sea for Israel, we discovered and believed that he was a God who would make a way out of no way that he might not come when you want him but he's always on time come on and in shotgun houses in the cotton field in the south our forefathers dreamt of their kids one day becoming doctors and lawyers and 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 political leaders come on and astronauts and 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 while life isn't perfect look at where we've come and it was the joy that was before them that helped them to endure the madness of their day they didn't check out that intermission y'all come on and you see the benefit don't leave that intermission Jesus knew the final act here's the text here's here's, here's one example of how 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 imagining viewing knowing the final act how it empowers you. Here's what Paul says. Allow, uh, here's what Paul says. I consider that our present suffering is not worthy to be compared to the final act, the glory that will be revealed in us. All right, here's, here, let's end the text. Let's end this message. I'm out of, getting out of time. Here's, here's how it ends. I just quoted it a moment ago. Then it says, and, come on now, after he endured it, he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He takes his place as the, as the, as the king of kings and lords of lords. He takes his place in ultimate victory. It is his sitting down at the throne that, that locks us into the confidence that no matter what's going wrong in life, he's on the throne. Come on now. That no matter how life is coming unglued, he's still in charge. Come on. And he's working through it all. And, and, and that emanates back to us a sense of joy come on now because his sitting on the throne means we know this to be real that ultimately love will overcome hatred justice will triumph over evil truth will conquer all lies come on now and life will defeat death his sitting on the throne is the proof of it and it represents the joy that is before so as I wait for that that waiting has a way of inspiring and uplifting and encouraging and helping me to discover a, a, a little joy along the way your cup may not run over with joy but a little joy will take you a long way all right all right let me end this here because there's enough to talk about today. And the joke is told. I want you to keep your eye because none of this matters if your relationship with God isn't personal. And that's what Jesus does for us. And here's, 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 the, here's the joke. Uh, the, person says, the, the, the mother told the daughter, the little girl, said, go out on the porch and get the broom and bring it in. The little girl said, no, I, I, I can't go out there. The mom said, girl, get on and go out there. She says, no, 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 mama, it's dark out there. I'm afraid of the dark. And the mama said, don't be afraid of the dark. God is out there. He's got you. And so she went out. The little girl went and opened the door. 
She stuck her head out. She said, whispered, God, if you're out here, will you hand me the broom? (laughs) Here's the point of the story. In that moment, her relationship with God becomes personal. And I'm here to tell you that God is with us in the dark. And we begin to ask him to give us what we need in order to find the joy that we need to keep moving forward. Listen, how do you make your relationship that personal? There's a Franciscan priest who used to work with Mother Teresa. He says that one of the spiritual practices he practices every day of his life is that when he gets up in the morning, before his feet hit the ground, before he takes a shower, is he says, good morning, Jesus. And it sets in motion his personal relationship with Jesus for the day. He said his sister called him once and said, I'm trying to figure out how to reconnect with the church. uh, And I'm struggling with how to personalize the most important relationship in my life. That is with Jesus. And so he said to his sister, here's what I want you to do for 10 days. I want you, when you wake up, before you start your day, say, good morning, Jesus. And so she said, okay. So the third day she called him, he wouldn't take the call. The fifth day she called him, he wouldn't take the call. The tenth day she called him. She said, oh my gosh, that simple spiritual act has revolutionized my daily experience because what I discovered is it started a day, it started a a dialogue with God. And what he says is that the the teaching there is that we have to find ways that naturally integrate our relationship with Jesus in the natural rhythm of of our lives, that it might be personal. (laughs) You get it? Find Jesus. Follow Jesus. Let him inform the details of your day, and you'll discover, yes, joy exists for you. God, thank you for this revelation. Help us to live it out. Bring it to life in Jesus' name. Amen. So how are you going to respond? How will you respond to this message that says, yes, joy exists, and it exists for you? Let me challenge you uh, to focus on our connection card at this moment. It's both on the website, and it's also in our app. And if you go to our connection card, you'll see the Sunday section, and inside of that, you'll find next steps. That's where we are right now. What's your next step? And the first, uh, among a series of options there, is an opportunity for you to say today that you want to connect your life to the ultimate source of joy, Jesus. If you want to be a Jesus follower, you can check that. There's several other options I wanted you to prayerfully and reflectively consider. And then the next major section there, we call it message response. There's two boxes there. The second box is simply for you to check if you want to receive an email from me every day from now to Easter that has a simple prayer you can pray and a scripture you can read. Check that box. The first box has to do with the commitment that I want you to make right now. And it's simply this, that over the course of the next 10 days, you'll wake up every day and the first thing you'll do is simply say, good morning, Jesus. A simple spiritual exercise. Will you do that? Go ahead and check that box. And uh, here's a reflection question. Uh, Take a picture of it. There's some people in the room with you. Discuss it right now. Here it is. When is the last time you've experienced joy? Can you describe that experience to people?